Our church is filled with diversity, isn't it? You know, diversity can either strengthen a church or it can divide a church. And one of the things for which I have been particularly thankful has been with all of the diversity that we have here at Grace, we have been strengthened and we've been drawn together. And it's because of the way we handle the diversity. We're willing to understand that in God's eyes, the diversity that we see is quite frankly inconsequential. We understand that that we're going to come from different national backgrounds. We're going to come from different financial backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, different ages. What does any of that matter? Does it? No, it doesn't. Because in Christ, we become one. Now, some people, they see the diversity as something that would drive them apart. I am so thankful for what we have here at Grace in all of the differences that the Lord has brought to us. And those differences shall always, by the grace of God, be accepted understood, and embraced. Would you open your Bibles again to Romans, the 14th chapter, if you have turned away from that. And what we want to look at today is why we accept each other in spite of our differences. I'm looking around, and you know what I'm seeing? We're kind of all mixed up. I mean... uh, not personally, but as, as I look around, we're just kind of, I, I see all these differences and, and I don't see anybody isolating themselves. Why is that? It's because of what God has taught us. Look back at Romans chapter 14 at the very first word. Receive. And then he goes on to say, one who is weak in the faith. But we'll, we'll get to that part in just a moment. But the idea of receive carries with it the acceptance of an individual to welcome them into your heart. It's the idea of not only recognizing that in Christ we are one, but it is also the understanding that as one in Christ, our hearts are open to each other. And yes, there might be differences, there might be issues over which we disagree and things of that nature, but we welcome each other into each other's heart and we embrace each other in a genuine fellowship. It's not just that, oh yes, they go to our church. No, it's we are together at this church. So when the Lord uses the word receive, he's using a very powerful word. And you're going to find out in just a moment how powerful that word is. And then he goes on to say why we should accept each other, receive each other, in spite of all the differences that we might sustain. The first reason is because... Some things 
are doubtful. Now you say, well, what in the world does that have to do with what you're just describing? What is going to unfold here in the 14th chapter of Romans is an explanation of one element of diversity that exists within the church. It's not going to be racial. It's not going to be financial. It's, it's not going to be educational. It's going to be something that involves decision-making on the part of the body of Christ individually. Now, let me explain something. When we talk about our church being a Baptist church, and by the way, if you're a Baptist, why don't you call yourself a Baptist? Right? Okay. I know a lot of churches have dropped the name Baptist because Baptists are looked at as if they are some weirdos, and there are some weird Baptists. But by and large, uh, in your pantry... Do you have cans of food? Do you? Yes. Do you want to know what's in those cans? Not always. (laughs) You know, I've noticed, Santiago, you're losing weight, aren't you? No, I'm just kidding. Um, You want to know what's in If you want a can of corn, you want to get corn, right? So there's a label on it. So the label helps you understand, not always in the entirety, but it helps you understand generally a, a direction and a, a body of belief that is embraced when you call yourselves Baptists. People, people have a pretty good idea of who we are, although there are differences in Baptists. I understand that. But I'm saying that because there are distinctive elements of being a Baptist that cause us to be able to identify ourselves within the realm of a spectrum of belief. We believe in a born-again membership. We believe in the authority of the Scriptures. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. We believe in individual soul liberty. Do you all know what that means? It means that one person in here whose horn is going off should probably check their key fob. You know, I'll bet Satan went out there and just whacked the side of the car and set that thing off. Uh, all right, here we go. Now, now we're all set. What was I talking about? Diversity. The diversity that we have and uh, something about diversity. Oh, 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 Baptist. Uh, B-A-P-T. Uh, we believe in two offices. Elders and deacons. And then B-A-P-T-I is the individual soul liberty. What do we mean by that? What we mean is that there are things in the Word of God that are very, very, very clearly identified for us as being sinful and unrighteous. But this is something that a lot of Christians don't like to embrace. There are some things that are gray areas. And I was raised within a context of everything's pretty much black and white. And, and if you didn't see things our way, you were really wrong and you were out of step. I would bet some of you were raised that way too. But the more you study God's Word and the closer you come to the truth of the Scriptures and you leave behind many of the traditions that have been developed by the church, you realize there are gray areas. There are some things that are not clearly defined in God's Word, and so there is a degree of liberty that believers have to do things differently. 
There's the diversity that Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 14. We can do some things differently. Some of the things that, in, that we encounter in life, the way the Lord puts it, are doubtful. Notice in verse 1. Receive one another who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Now, receiving someone who is weak in the faith recognizes that there is going to be a diversity of maturity in the lives of different believers. Some people who are very mature spiritually have spent their life developing that maturity through the Word of God, embracing the truth of what God's Word has to say, through the experiences of life, through the wisdom that they've received from other individuals, and they grow and they mature, and eventually they become part of a leadership team that helps others in the same process. But not everybody's mature. Some people are, quite frankly, very immature spiritually, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the length of time you've known Christ. It has to do with your desire and your effort and your commitment to grow in Christ. So when you're looking at the diversity that exists, don't look at how long a person's known the Lord. Look at what degree of development they have experienced in understanding the Word of God and applying those principles to their lives. Now, having said that, he goes on to say this. Verse 2, for one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Please understand this. If you are a vegan, there are a couple things. First of all, I have no idea why. But I do know this. If you have chosen not to eat meat because of health benefits that you believe you are receiving. This is not speaking about that. Alright? So if, if you're a vegan, a, a vegetarian, and you're doing it for health purposes, this is not addressing that. Go for it. It leaves more meat for me. Okay? If you are doing it because you think it is spiritually beneficial well, then you've just identified yourself as a weak follower of Christ. You don't get it. You don't understand that all things can be received if they're received with thanksgiving. And as you mature, you'll maybe start off with a hamburger. Now, probably, probably fish. Then, then maybe a hamburger, and then a steak. And what time is it? So, what I just wanted to be clear on this. We are not speaking about issues related to health. This is purely spiritual issues. And what, what Paul is telling us is this. There are those who are mature in the faith, and there are those who are immature, and you've got to give each other room. It's a gray area. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has... Him. Now, here's where it becomes very, very important for us to follow. Not all things are doubtful. There are things that the believer must judge. And you have probably heard people say this, Oh, you Christians, you're so judgmental. 
Have you, have you heard that? Oh, yeah, if you've been a believer for any period of time, oh yeah, you judge all these things. And then they, they point out to you Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. Have you heard that? Oh, I hear that with frequency. Judge not that you be not judged. Just ask them to tell you verse 2. Do you know, do you know what verse 2 says? It says that if you judge a person for doing the same things you do, you're a hypocrite. You see, what he's talking about there is hypocritical judgment. In other words, if you say to a person, oh, well, they do this, that, and the other thing, and then you wind up doing... For example, you see somebody run a red light. Oh, that dirty dog. What's he doing running a red light? And then you do 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. You're a hypocrite. So am I. On a number of occasions. And you recognize that you are doing the same thing. So what the Lord says is this. You don't have the right to judge somebody else who does the same things that you yourself is doing. Or are doing. But you are required to pass judgment. There are a number of different cases in the Scriptures where believers are required to judge. We are to judge ourselves. We are to look within our own behavior and conduct and evaluate whether or not our lives are coming into line with the truth of what God's Word has to say. We are to judge sinful behavior that God Himself has judged in other people. If a person is living in adultery, it is the responsibility of believers to say, that is sin, you need to stop. We're required to do that. We are required to pass judgment between brothers and sisters. I, I use the term without gender um, when brothers are coming at odds with each other and they need someone to step in and make a judgment, the church is required to judge. Don't take it to the, to the world. Let the church pass the judgment. And so when we look at what the Scriptures have to say, we are required to judge certain things. However, there are things that we are not to judge. Some things are doubtful, disputable. And he identifies two of them in this passage, and he's going to actually expand this a little bit more when we get into the second half of chapter 14. But for our purposes, he uses two things. He uses eating meat and observing days. Now you say, well, what's wrong with eating meat? Well, in the day in which this was being written, there was a problem. And the problem was that society was primarily pagan. And much of the offerings that were given to the pagan deities were offered in such a way that there were people who believed that if the meat was offered to the pagan deity in sacrifice, it wasn't burned up, it was just placed before the altar, and I would imagine that the, the pagan priests did some incantations or something over it. There was the belief that the spirit that was a wholesome spirit was gone from that meat and an evil spirit has now entered it, and there were those who were weak in the faith who believed it was 
exposing themselves to spiritual negativity, to spiritual impact from an evil force, an evil person, if they ate that meat. And so they said, oh, we, we don't eat that meat. But then there were those who were mature who said this, there's only one God, and he is the God of all, and he tells us this, you can eat everything as long as you eat it with thanksgiving. And the meat that was offered to an idol, nothing's happened to that meat. That is good meat. And now that they're selling it in the marketplace, we're going to get that meat because it's being offered at a reduced price. And so what he says is, the immature won't eat because they have this perspective, but the mature will eat. But then, listen, he goes on to say, don't you dare judge each other on that. Exercise your individual soul liberty, which allows you to evaluate questionable issues on a different plane. The diversity of understanding. And so don't look down on the person who won't eat, And don't look down on the person that does eat, if you're a person that doesn't, because it's between that individual and the Lord. Then he tells us, some of you will observe certain days. And my my suspicion is that what's in reference here is observing days that would be related more to the Jewish calendar. Now, it may have involved other things, and, and I don't know that, but... We still have the same thing going on today. We have people who are saved out of a Jewish background, and they will continue to observe Jewish holidays. To them, that's very, very special. Then there are those who don't observe Jewish holidays because we look at that and we understand that the fulfillment of all of those events that were instituted in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in the person of Christ. We don't observe the Passover, but Jews are observing that right around this time of year. Well, why don't we observe it? Because Christ is our Passover. We don't need to observe that. And so there are differences in those understandings. Now today, we don't have that problem with meat being offered to idols. We still have a problem in some cases with days. There are some people who would say this, well, you observe Christmas on December the 25th, but don't you know that that was a pagan holiday that was transposed from its pagan orientation to the recognition of Christ's birth by the established church in order to try to get the pagans to move over in this direction. And don't you know Christ wasn't born on December 25th? Okay. I still love it. I like to go home at Christmas. In fact, up north, you kind of wish it snowed on Christmas. How many of you love the idea of a white Christmas? Oh, yeah, all the northerners, you you just love it. Um, One of the things I will always remember, the last year of my father's life, we were with my parents, and it wasn't supposed to snow, nothing like that, but we woke up Christmas morning, and everything was covered in snow, and it was absolutely beautiful. Do I exchange gifts on Christmas? Absolutely. Especially if people are really generous with me. I love the idea of giving gifts. Um, 
we, we get together, we have feasts together, we'll, we'll eat, and like Pastor Steve said a little while ago, did I mention that he's leaving with me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, uh, there are days like that. In fact, it can go so far as like into Halloween. Now, now you've got a whole nother area. But some people look at that as a celebration of demonic things. Others look at that. No, it's a time for kids to go out and get candy. And what God is saying is this. Whatever conclusion you come to, you be convinced in your heart that it is right before God. Because God has not addressed it. And some are going to be able to go to move. Now, see, here's the thing. I told you I was raised in a very conservative background, very, uh, actually, somewhat legalistic. We did not go to movies when I was growing up. That was an absolute sin. Um, There were those who believed that playing cards was an absolute sin because those were the devil's cards. So we use rook cards instead. Um, Somehow they've been sanctified, I guess. I don't know. There are those who would... um, What are some of the other things? Uh, Dance. Oh, you didn't dance. No way. <sighs> Shall we gather at the... Ri- this is the way we sang. You... None of this stuff. <laughs> Certainly no swaying. None of that. And you look at those things and what do you find? You find that those really are not key issues. And today, I'm seeing things, and and I have to say this, I think sometimes our our individual soul liberty has been taken to an inappropriate extreme. And we have become very worldly in the way we behave. But is it intrinsically wrong to see a movie? Well, it depends on the content of the movie. Some will go to movies. And my guess is, Pretty good number in here, Will. And some say, no, you you shouldn't go to movies. And I say, fine. Whatever God has placed upon your heart as what you should or should not do, that's fine. And I'm not going to run you down for it. Should you play cards? Well, I'd say gambling becomes another issue, and we could talk about that. But if you're just playing cards with somebody, some will, some won't. Hey, it's okay. Dancing. Ooh. Now, we, here's the deal. I think a lot of dancing that goes on today is absolutely sexually lewd and absolutely wrong because of what it does to the human body. But if a man says, I'm going to dance with my wife, dance till the cows come home. That's okay, isn't it? What about um, traditional dance that is used in other countries to express worship to the Lord? Would we condemn that? No. No. Now, I'm not going to dance Because I can't. (laughs) I never could. For some reason, I can't get the coordination. Did I dance at my daughter's wedding? Yep. I danced with my wife. 
That was it. Didn't dance with anybody else. Is that okay with you? Listen, do you you understand what I'm saying? These things God says, you make sure in your own heart, this is what God has convinced you to do. If you say, it is wrong for me to, um, to, this was another one, to go to a restaurant that had a bar, because it's a misinterpretation of abstain from all appearance of evil, which is not what we have been to believe. It means to abstain from evil in all of its forms. Now today, that's probably not a big issue, is it? Is there anybody here that will not go to a place to eat that serves alcohol? Okay. Do you go to the grocery store? If you choose not to, great. That is your right. That is your liberty in Christ. If you choose to, great. That is your right. That is your liberty in Christ. So what he's telling us is this. We have differences that should not divide us. He goes on to tell us that these things should not divide us because believers do have different perspectives on things. Notice, as you go down there again into that second uh, and, and third and fourth verse, he says, For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let him that does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant to his own master? He stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Do you understand? Understand what God just said in verse 4. If you pass judgment on a, na- uh, on a, a brother or sister in Christ who does something differently than the way you do it, you are judging the servant of God. That's what he's saying. This person is my servant. If he eats, he's my servant. If he doesn't eat, he's my servant. Do we get that? We belong to one master. And our responsibility in the gray areas is not to be answerable to one another or to pass judgment on one another, but to understand that we are answerable to God. So you better be convinced that whatever it is you're doing is right before God. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. I want you also to see this. In addition to being accepted on the basis of our union with Christ, and I didn't even mention that. Let me, let me tell you that. Why are we accepted? Not because we eat meat or don't eat meat. Not because we observe days or don't observe days. Not because we play cards or we don't play cards. Not because we go to movies or we don't go to movies. Not because we dance or we don't dance. Not because we go to restaurants with bars or we don't go to restaurants with bars. The only way I am acceptable to God is when I come to Him clothed in a righteousness that I don't possess, but is granted to me by the imputation of a holy God giving me the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ, and placing upon Christ my sinfulness so that when by faith I turn away from my sin and I embrace Christ as my Savior, I am given freedom, I am given life, I am given forgiveness, and it's all because of Christ, and He's the reason I'm accepted. Nothing else. That's it. 
Now, we're accepted by Christ, not on the basis of what we do and don't do. Please understand that, because that's going to reach even further into our lives. It means that even if we commit acts of sin, we are still acceptable to our Father. We just may have to be spanked. He's our Father now. Before we accept Christ, He's our judge. Now He's our Father. We don't lose that relationship with the Father just because we have differences of opinion or because we commit acts of sin. If we continue a lifestyle of sin, we're not one of His children. That's what the Bible teaches us. So our acceptability is based upon the sacrifice and, and uh, our identification with Christ. But we're accepted fully into God's heart because look at what he says. For both the strong and the weak, God has received him. God has welcomed that individual into his heart for the purpose of eternal fellowship with him or her. Does that... Do you understand that? Is that clear? And then, a third element that merges here is acceptance does not depend on our personal judgments, and I mean that by this. You're going to have people say to you, oh, you ought not be doing that. Guess how much their opinion matters. Now, if they have a good reason for telling you something, you evaluate and you listen, because we are going to see in the next portion of this passage that... that the way we impact other people is going to have an important element for us to consider. But where we are right now, you can judge me all you want for dancing with my wife at my daughter's funeral. And it doesn't mean... What? Oh, what did I say? This is so bad. At my daughter's wedding... Have you ever gotten really worked up to, you know, it's like a train wreck. It's like my mouth is falling down the steps, and there it goes. Listen, you, you all get what I'm saying, don't you? Listen, this is a really important principle for us to lay hold of as believers, because it's what unifies us. We understand there are differences. And when somebody else passes judgment on us, that's really not the issue. What really matters is I have been accepted in the beloved, Jesus Christ. I have been received by God the Father. And no one else's judgment is going to change any of that. Isn't that neat? So, enjoy your freedom. Enjoy your freedom. Because we have been set free to serve Christ from the heart, not from a set of rules that man establishes because he thinks he's got a circle on the truth. Well, we have one Lord. Look at what it says there in verse 5. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself. No one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died 
and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We have one Lord. And that Lord has established, has not established us as the final judge. What God has judged, we must judge. And if somebody says to you, well, you're so judgmental. Well, if you're judging the right things, go for it. You should be judgmental. But if you're getting into the gray areas, no, we are not the final judge. A a Catholic priest said this one time. He said, there are two things that I know for sure. There is a God, and I'm not Him. Can we remember that? We're not God. We haven't been given the assignment of being the judge of the gray areas. And by the way, there's another part. You and I can't judge motives. I don't know why people do certain things. I don't know what what motivates a person. We had a a fellow in our former church. This is back when everybody wore coats and ties. The men all wore coats and ties, you know. And uh, the women all wore nice dresses, modest, which probably is a good principle even today. And this one fella would not wear a suit. He'd always come the way most of us dress today. And when he told me why, my respect skyrocketed. He said, because we're going to have people visit our church who are not dressed the way we are, and I want them to feel welcome. What was his motive? Great motive. Do you see so-and-so? He's not wearing his coat and tie today. Do you know in my circles... It was wrong to wear wire rim glasses. That was during the Vietnam era. And that's when all the protests were going on. And have you noticed how all the hippies wore the wire rim glasses? Hair. Couldn't have long hair. Always had to be up off the ear. I have mine off the ear now so I can hear you. But you used to have those were the standards by which some people lived. We 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 can't judge those things. Thirdly, the Lord has made us uh, has not made us masters over one another. If if my conviction, let, let's put it this way: if I was a mature believer in the first century and you were an immature believer in the first century, and you would not eat meat because it had been sacrificed to the pagan deities, and I said to you, oh, come on, it's not going to hurt you. You can go ahead and eat. I would be now committing an act of sin against you. Because my convictions should never be pressed upon you because now you may do something that is a sinful act for you, and I'm going to be held responsible for it. Do you get that? Okay, good. Because we've got to move along. And the Lord has made us accountable to Him. The final thing is found in those final verses. When you get down there to verse 11, or pardon me, verse 10. Why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself. Believer, 
is going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. All of you, me, and when I say all of you, only believers are standing at the judgment seat of Christ. And our works are evaluated. Our sinful judgment was cared for at the cross of Calvary. The relationship we can have with our God came because of what Christ did for us. But now, as a son of God, I've got to give an answer for the things that I've done in the flesh. And I'm going to have to give an account to God when He says, Why did you do this? Or why did you not do this? And my responsibility is going to be greater because I have a responsibility to you and I've got to give account for what I've said to you. So I'm not taking this lightly. And I'm not trying to say something on any Sunday that is designed for the purpose of tickling your ears. Because I've got to give an account for that. But you're going to have to give an account for you too. Every person is going to have to give an account for himself. What did you do with the gifts I gave you? How closely did you follow the the commands of my word? How far from sin did you go? How receptive were you of people who differed from you? All of that is going to be judged. With one final question. On the day of judgment, how's it going to be with you? Let's stand. Father, you've given us your word. And uh, in so many ways, we have... uh, kind of packaged your word into our box. I pray that as your children, we would set free the truths of your word so that we would live in the light of your word, understanding the importance of living holy lives, but exercising freely the freedom that you've given to us. You want us to do that, and for that I am thankful. I pray that as we go from here today, it would be with a unified heart in love with our Savior, whose name we pray. Amen.